Welcome to the Occult London Podcast. This is a new podcast dedicated to exploring magic, mysticism, the Kabbalah, as well as other topics. If you like the podcast, please write a review and rate it on iTunes, as it will really help us to get this message out there. Also, be sure to visit our website at occultlondon.co.uk, where you can subscribe to the show. If anyone has any questions for me, then I'd love to hear from them, so please reach out via Facebook or on email, as I'd love to answer any questions you might have. You can find my Facebook on the show notes, or alternatively, email me at occultlondonpodcast at gmail.com. I hope you enjoy it. In today's episode, we will be carrying on our discussion with relation to the four powers of the Sphinx, which are uh, to know, to dare, to will, and to be silent, which is this maxims that were first introduced by Eliphas Levy, uh, who was a 19th century occultist living in France. Last week, we discussed to know... So this week we will be looking at the maxim of to will and how that relates to the magician and our daily lives. So let's get into it. So the development of the will is obviously a very big part of being a magician or being a you know a strong human being. The will is our ability to make choices but it's also our ability to drive things forward and to follow things through and also bring, you know, ideas or things that we imagine into manifestation and accomplishing our goals. If we think about the image of the magician tarot card, he's bringing down the power from the unmanifest into the manifest. So one hand is raised above him and one hand points below towards the elements. And it's this power of will that we develop as magicians, this single-pointed focus. The will is also very much connected with our decision-making process as well. So as um, Donald Michael Craig writes about this, The first part is commonly called making up your mind. Sometimes doing this can be based on emotions. I want to get back at them for what they did for me. Sometimes it's based on knowledge and cool thinking. This is the best college I can go to for the degree I want. Most often, however, the choices we make are based on a combination of knowledge, emotion and external influences. For the magician, however... It's the second part of this definition that is more important. It is that part of the will that is often called will power. We often make up our minds to do something. I'm going to read XX books this year. I'm going to the gym three days a week, every week this year. I'm not going to have that piece of pie in the refrigerator. I'm not going to get drunk tonight, etc. Yet we fail to carry on our decisions. Why do we fail? Most people will say it's because you don't have the willpower. And that's a quote from Donald Michael Craig, who's one of the uh, excellent um, magician and wrote a really good book called Modern Magic, which uh, people should check out. So if we think about it, every decision we make in life, what you know, what clothes we wear on a daily basis and which way we go to work, do we get the bus, do we get the tube, do we get the train... Do we cycle? Do we drive? Um, It's often, you know, kind of like unconscious, really. So we make that decision instantaneously or quickly. 
Um, but the the process that goes on behind that instantaneous decision is obviously a lot, a lot more, a lot long more winded and much more in the unconscious from that point of view. So then we can say decisions and things like that are being built up in the unconscious or the subconscious mind long before the actual decision manifests. So the, if the, the root of the decision sits in that unconscious mind, that great sea of the unconscious, then that's where obviously the willpower must be. Um, and, you know, we obviously see this, you know, if you look at things like hypnosis, for instance, or affirmations, um, our mind will often emit negatives. So, for instance, if we were to say, I will not smoke today, in your subconscious, it will often not count the, the not word, and it would be interpreted as, I will smoke today, or I will eat that pie. So how do we control this subconscious mind and harness this great force that exists within it? Well, there's lots of different methods which um, you know different magicians over time have talked about in terms of harnessing this willpower so that you can then use it to focus. Um, Donald Michael Craig talks about using a rubber band and a word, a word technique. So, for instance, you would say to yourself, I will not use this word um, today. So it could be the word I, for instance. And then each time you did that, you would, um, if you did say the word I, you would then use the elastic band and it would give you kind of a mini punishment. So you're, you're training that subconscious mind to be more conscious of the words it uses. Um, Crowley also talks about this razor blade technique, which is highly not recommended um, as a way of training the, the ego and kind of forcing this, this willpower. Other things you can do as well, obviously with regards to the chaos magic area, they use things like sigils as well. So you can actually write down a specific intention um, put that into a symbol, so you remove all the the vowels, for instance, and just use the consonants, put them together into a symbol, which can then be essentially representing your desire, but it's removing that aspect of the conscious mind, so it's kind of going into the unconscious. Um, other techniques that do work with regards to this, there's things like um, self-hypnosis as well. So this has been proven to be very effective in terms of treating pain. You've got stress, um, issues with childbirth, etc. And it's, it's very kind of powerful in terms of teaching students techniques. Self-hypnosis can actually kind of empower them to help themselves. As Fromm and Kaplan uh, wrote in their Hypnosis and Conscious States book, self-hypnosis permits the individual to be in charge and therefore helps the patient to get out of the role of the victim who suffers and into the role of the person who masters or attempts to master her pain. Through practicing self-hypnosis, patients can learn to isolate the feared pain that accompanies many a medical intervention. They can productively disassociate themselves into a position in which they can pleasurably 
fantasies and memories away from the negative aspects of their current reality. And W.E. Butler talks about the value of self-hypnosis in his excellent book Lords of Light, which is one of the later books that he wrote, where he describes the following. Notice a person uh, taking an ordinary pencil. I said to this fellow, with your permission, I'm going to try an experiment. I'm going to mark your arm by using a red hot needle so it will burn your arm. However, you won't feel anything at all. You won't feel a single moment of pain or discomfort. But I would like to try this demonstration while you're in this hypnotic condition. Have I your permission to do so? Yes, the man said. Just so long as I don't feel any pain, go ahead. So with an ordinary pencil, I drew a small triangle on his arm. Within the minutes where I'd drawn that line, up came a triangular burn. There was fluid beneath the skin and blisters. Both were immediately produced by the subconscious mind to separate the two layers of skin and so protect the skin from being damaged. That particular automatic mechanism went into action straight away. That is the tremendous power which hypnotism has of altering your state of consciousness. So it's this, um, in terms of this this concept of developing the the willpower, um, you know that really shows that that quote from W. Butler how powerful this subconscious power is, and obviously, if it's directed and harnessed, then you know it can do incredible things. Um, doing being able to do that, really developing the willpower. I mean, personally, from my point of view, it's really about doing things that can be um, hard or uncomfortable, which we force ourselves to do. The great philosopher Lao Tzu said the following, do the difficult things while they are easy and do the great things while they are small. A journey of a thousand miles must begin with a single step. So what he's saying there is, you should try and force yourself to do difficult things every single day and not sit back on your laurels. But it doesn't necessarily mean to be a, a huge thing. You don't. It needs to be little incremental steps of improving the willpower so that you become a stronger um, person. So it can be, you know, things as basic as you know offering your seat to somebody on a train. Um, you might be tired, but someone comes on the train and they might need it more than you, so you offer them your seat. It could be that rather than sitting down eating a takeaway and watching uh, movies on a Friday night, you come home and you do the washing up or you do a chore or you do uh, you know, a specific project with your kids or whatever. Um, you know, something that you'd rather not do, but you, you force yourself to do it. And through doing this regularly, you'll find that your willpower becomes much, much stronger and much more developed as well. Also, as well as that, in terms of the willpower, I find it's very much connected to action and our ability to start something. It's through the act of beginning something that we begin to see beyond the trees. As Goethe said, what you can do or dream you can begin it. Boldness has genius, power and magic in it. Only engage and then the mind grows heater. Begin it and the work will be completed. When we decide to do something, we meet resistance immediately, telling us to go back to bed, do it tomorrow. And this is described um, very well by Stephen Pressfield in his 
excellent, excellent book, uh, The War of Art, which I'd recommend to anybody who's interested in creativity and taking action and developing this willpower. And he said the following, the more experience you experience, so I say that again, the more resistance you experience, the more important your unmanifested art project enterprise is to you and the more gratification you will feel when you finally do it. And Stephen Pressfield also said the following. The Marine Corps teaches you how to be miserable. This is invaluable for an artist. Marines love to be miserable. Marines derive a perverse satisfaction in having colder chow, crappier equipment and higher casualty rates than any other outfit of dog faces, swab junkies or flyboys, all of whom they despise. Why? Because those candy asses don't know how to be miserable. The artist committing himself to his calling has volunteered for hell. Whether he knows it or not, he will be dining for the duration on a diet of isolation, rejection, self-doubt, despair, ridicule, contempt and humiliation. The artist must be like that marine. He has to know how to be miserable. He has to love being miserable. He has to take pride in being more miserable than any other soldier or swabby or jet jockey. Because this is war, baby. And war is hell. (laughs) That is from Stephen Pressfield's really awesome book, War of Art. And I think it's just really inspiring, actually, because you read that and you just feel like it just makes you want to go out there and do stuff and look for that really difficult thing that you really hate to do. And I think if you interchange the word artist in that quote with the word magician, it's actually quite similar. Because as magicians and spiritual seekers, we are... We are really volunteering to to go into that dark place and bring that light down into humanity. I desire to know in order to serve is a very kind of clear thing from that point of view. The work of the initiate is very much focused on bringing that light down from heaven and into humanity. So we're really serving and serving others through it is really you know what 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 the the goal is about but also serving yourself as well in terms of being able to fully understand yourself and fully actualize yourself to become the person that you were born to be rather than some weak imitation and that's something else Stephen Pressfield said when he said the following late at night have you experienced a vision of the person you might become the work you could accomplish, the realised being you were meant to be? Are you a writer who doesn't write, a painter who doesn't paint, an entrepreneur who never starts a venture? Then you know what resistance is. So obviously from the point of view of magic, we could say, are you a magician who doesn't do magic? Because that's quite relevant. It's this willpower. You know, we have to draw into the unconscious sea of the mind and draw out that golden treasure. And that takes willpower. So a good way of doing this is, you know, that project 
that book you're writing, that article you want to do, that um, website, or that group, you know, anything, you just need to start it. So don't don't spend hours and hours pondering over things and, you know, procrastinating and going, oh, no, I'm not ready because I need this, I need that, I need to learn this, I need to finish my studies and then I'll be good enough to be able to do that. Just ignore all that because that is bullshit, excuse the language, and you need to start it. And the way I always see it is a car starts and drives and we we need to start driving in order to see where we're going we need to kind of get that car started and drive and then you'll start to see around the corner and then you'll see what's coming later on you have enough in you already you are strong enough so you can do this so just start um a good technique i've found to develop this willpower as well which is slightly off topic from the point of view of um, kind of magic and stuff like that but it is very good um, from the sense of just training you is to have cold showers so um, if you have a cold shower every day that really kind of snaps you away from this um, kind of procrastinating and fearful anxiety mind um, and jumping into cold water, it really kind of gets the body used to this sort of tolerance uh, to stress and also disease. So it's very good at lifting your mood, um, relieving depression, and also, you know, kind of gives you this massive antidepressant effect, which instantly boosts your mood. And that is obviously very relevant in terms of uniting our will, personally, with this divine will. And this is something that W.E. Butler talks about um, in Lords of Light as well, where he says about, um, he talks about Dante's description of love in his Paradiso as, in even motion by the love impelled that moves the sun in heaven and all the stars. So Dante's basically describing meeting some very happy and contented people. And Dante is, he's kind of like thinking like, why are these people not, trying to do something better or greater so he's asking them you know why are you so happy what are you so content about and the people in this realm say in his will is our peace in his will is our peace and this is something Butler talks about as in the will of the Logos, in his will is our peace. Peace, not a negative absence of warring factions, but a positive quality. Whatever society, group or order we belong to or join as occultists, the aim of all is to do the will of the absolute. And in doing so, we shall find our peace, a true peace, the peace that passes the understanding of mankind. That is something which in our hearts we all yearn for and which we shall ultimately gain. Whether it is now or later is another matter. If we start right away and say to ourselves, I'm going to tread the path, I'm going to be of service to humanity and of service to the divine. 
if we let no obstacles stand in our way. Let nothing turn us aside. The time will come when we will know we have served God and mankind. We will have brought ourselves into a condition of light and love and happiness and peace, which at the present time the mind of man cannot conceive. And a good symbol for this concept of in his will is our peace, is the symbol of the point within the circle. So we represent the point can represent ourselves and the circle can represent this sort of like divine will. We sit within that divine will, but we're also both the point and the circle, the point within the circle. I wanted to finish this episode with a poem by a poet called Joyce Alcantara, which I thought was quite relevant from the point of view of the willpower. You may see me struggle, but you won't see me fall. Regardless if I'm weak or not, I'm going to stand tall. Everyone says life is easy, but truly living it is not. Times get hard, people struggle, and constantly put me on the spot. I'm going to wear the biggest smile, even though I want to cry. I'm going to fight to live, even though I'm destined to die. And even though it's hard, and I may struggle through it all, you may see me struggle, but you will never see me fall. Thank you very much, everyone. I hope you've enjoyed today. Thanks very much for joining us this week on the Occult London Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. If anyone has any questions for me, then please reach out via Facebook or an email, as I'd love to answer any questions. The email is occultlondonpodcast at gmail.com. We really want to develop this further, so we'd appreciate if you can rate the show or leave a review on iTunes, as this will mean more people can see it and hopefully get some value from it. Also, be sure to visit our website at occultlondon.co.uk where you can subscribe to the show. Catch you all soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Mundal mine, silver soul enshrined, celestial rhythms, starlight thread.